Welcome back to the Passive Road to Retirement Podcast. We're your hosts, Andrew Jarrett and Nick Cooper. Today, we're joined by Greg Butcher. Greg is an experienced real estate investor who lives near Temecula, California. He began investing in single-family homes during his career in the Marine Corps officer, but struggled to learn how to scale. His aha moment was learning the power of syndications and the scalability of multifamily real estate. He joined a leading national multifamily education and mentoring program while preparing to retire from active duty in 2015. He has since invested in over $160 million worth of real estate, which is over 1,100 units as a general partner and more as a limited partner. Greg, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thanks, Andrew. It's great, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Oh, great to have you. And I think just one thing is kind of dive right in. And I saw that you started, you know, before I started, I started in the Navy about three years prior to my retirement and you started also before. So how much time did you start before retiring to do this uh, multifamily thing? Well, I only started doing multifamily um, right about the time I was getting ready to retire. I was going to okay. my, my, my retirement classes and all that kind of stuff. So uh, my job was winding down for sure. Um, before that, I'd, I'd been doing some single family stuff for a good 10 years before that. Um, and I just, I never could figure out how to make it scalable. Um, I had to take some time yep. out when I went to Europe for a few years, uh, stationed overseas and everything. I came back and had to do an Afghanistan deployment and stuff. Um, and so it was maybe like a year and a half before I retired that I even found out about uh, multifamily and syndications and, and you know, like the bio said, that's that was my aha moment. I, I I was trying, I was getting lost and confused on how to make things scalable and how to get ahead. And as soon as I found out about that, I said, "This is the way." Did you just drop all your single family then, or did you kind of gradually let that go? I gradually let them go. Um, I, I I certainly quit. Stop. Uh, I, I stopped searching for new properties immediately. Um, but, uh, as far as the, my existing portfolio, I had to wait until it made sense to, to, yeah. to get rid of those. So, um, I only had a couple of properties at the time. Well, three, one, one of them we got, we sold as quick as we could. Uh, the other two I'd had for a while, but I had bought them just before the crash in 2008. So, uh, 2006 and 2007 respectively. Um, and so uh, I had to wait until it, it made sense um, to 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 go ahead and, and get rid of those. So they're both gone now, and I ended up making a profit. But uh, I learned a lot about those properties. I call those my my learning properties. <laughs> yeah, it seems all these lessons we learn seem to cost us money sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I, I I ended up like I said I I made money, but they, there was a lot of stress and gray hairs along the way for sure. <laughs> That's funny. Now you hear a lot of people as they're trying to get into multifamily say, oh, I don't have the time to do it. You know, I work full time. How was that, I guess, trying to balance, you know, being in the military and starting your multifamily journey at the same time? Yeah, I I honestly don't know how I could have done it if I was still on active duty. Uh, the jobs, at least the jobs that I had um, in, in certain jobs that you might be in, you might have some more uh, more spare time. I, I know a guy, uh, Brian, who was working at the Pentagon. He's working certain like four days a week, certain shifts where he had extra free time and he didn't have to take work home with him ever. Um, the jobs that I had, I was more, uh, you know, day on, stay on. Um, hey, you're, you're, you're thinking about work, you're having to deal with work at home sometimes and stuff. So I, I would have had a hard time doing that. So um, when I, when I retired, I just come back from a uh, six month, uh, temporary duty stint overseas in Europe. 
Um, and I didn't really get back into uh, a permanent job when I got back because they knew I had an approved retirement date. Um, and so they just kind of stuck me somewhere where I could burn time. And that gave me extra time on my hands. And it was only for a few months, like three months anyway, before I, I was totally done and, and, and was able to quit going to work uh, and just waiting for my retirement ceremony. Um, so I didn't really have to do both of those at the same time. I think it would have been pretty darn difficult. And, and that's why I'm you know, real passionate about helping other people who, some who are still on active duty or some people who are, uh, are past that and are in, you know, corporate jobs now or whatever, and just don't have that extra time on their hands, helping them to get started in commercial real estate investing in a hands-off manner. So. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. So kind of start with that. How did you start then? Did you have some mentorship that got you where you're at? I did, Nick. Yeah. So um, I joined one of the, the mentoring groups. That was how I found out about it in the first place. I heard him speak at an REI uh, expo out in Anaheim. Um, and, and that was, you know, that was, again, that was the light bulb coming on moment for me. Um, so I joined his program. I didn't do, uh, some people do all the research between all the different guru programs and stuff. This was the first thing I even heard about anyone like multifamily. So I just was like, yep, I'm in. <laughs> Jumped in the deep end of the pool. It took me like a year and a half before I could join because um, I was leaving for that, uh, for uh, some temporary duty overseas and stuff. And, and my, my job at the time was pretty in depth. Um, but when I was finally able to get to his intro level event that, uh, you know, was the kickoff point where, where, um, you find out enough to be dangerous and to know, okay, now we have this paid program that you can join if you want to. And I, then I jumped in both feet. I think everyone needs to realize that is that it's, it's the action part is because you could have spent another two, three years looking, you know, I think I mentioned this on a podcast before is that they're interviewing, um, one of the guys in bigger pockets and said, how many people that listen to this podcast actually have a deal? And he said something like 90% don't have one. So I think it's almost like you got to dig some action because there's someone out there that's taking action that's dumber than you that's making it happen. I, I could not agree more. Um, there's something to be said, of course, for doing your research, but then you have to you know, get off your ass and make a decision yep. and get moving. Uh, and I did the same thing when I first joined the program too. I, when I first joined it, there was like, you know, 40 hours worth of course materials to go through. And I realized, hey, this is going to take me a little while because I'm just getting ready to move back to the coast for my, my final duty station out in, in the desert in Twinland Bombs area. Um, and, uh, you know, I have to find a, find a job now. And the first time I've had to do that in 20 years, all this kind of stuff. Right. So it's going to take me a while to get through all this coursework, but I want to get some of my money put to work for me immediately and learn as a passive investor. And so I did that. I jumped in on one of the first opportunities that I that came across uh, in, in my inbox uh, because I knew it was from that program. The the lead of that program was one of the one of the general partners on the deal. And so I just took a you know put faith in them and said, okay, I'm going to try this out and see how it works. Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying this episode. Are you ready to maximize your real estate investing to its full potential? Send me an email at andrew at jarrettcapital.com and take your life and business to all new levels. That's andrew at j-a-r-r-e-t-t capital.com. Wow. Nothing like learning when you have your money on the line. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those are the lessons you remember. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. So, so you started out uh, just some single family and then transitioned to multifamily. Going back, if you had to redo it, did that 
single family help you at all? Or do you think you would have just gone right into multifamily knowing what you know now? The single family helped me a ton by realizing that I didn't want to do single family. So yeah, no, my, my advice to people is there's no reason to get into single family in the first place. I know some people that are pretty successful. They figured out a way to make it scalable in a way that I was never able to. And Hey, more power to them, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But um, there's, you know, you certainly don't get the kind of scale out of that that you do from commercial real estate. And that's where, you know, that's, that's why I love multifamily and other asset classes uh, or, or sectors of, of commercial real estate, like uh, self-storage, for example. Um, those are all where there's multiple doors, multiple tenants, um, and you, you get a lot more scale that way. So uh, I think everyone can jump right into that end of the, of the, of the pool um, and, and like, like I did, I think it makes sense yeah. to start off as a passive investor. You know, not everyone needs to join a, a guru program. If all you're planning on doing is investing passively and you have no desire to ever become an active investor, uh, then those guru programs are probably not for you. There's enough education out there, um, th through, through other general partners, through general partners, uh, and sponsors who can help you show, help show you what you need to be looking for and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but certainly if you're trying to be an active investor, then I do think that those mentor programs, uh, can help you compress timelines and can help you avoid costly mistakes. Uh, and that's especially important if you're doing deals as, uh, through syndications where now you're playing with other people's money as well as your own. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, that's, that's, I totally agree with that. And, and what did you learn a lot or mostly from being an LP? Did it kind of get you thirsty for more? And obviously you're doing it now, so it did. It did. So it uh, it got me used to the flow of the properties. It started getting me used to the financials and how it all worked together. And, you know, and I had an MBA and stuff like that, but I never uh, used that practically, the, the accounting practically and figured out how to delve into the general ledger and really understand the, the financials better. It gave me a leg up on figuring it out for sure. Um, but then it, it still took some time to dig into that and understand uh, some of the nuances property by property and how to figure that stuff out. Um, and also what was important for me to focus on and what wasn't important for me to focus on as a, as a limited partner, as opposed to being a general partner. Um, so those are, those are a few of those things. Um, also, I think communication style, I think a lot of it is just about the style of uh, general partners that you do and don't want to invest with. Um, the first few deals that I did as a limited partner, um, the, the, the need for asset management, they were not great communicators. Um, yeah. They would send out, they sent out the the, the financials in, in a, some kind of report monthly, you know, on a regular basis. They were really good about that. But what they included in the report was very minimal. It was a, a couple, like a sentence or two. And here's what our income expenses and NOI were for the month. And that's it. There is, it was missing the story. So that's when yeah. I started realizing, especially then as I got into my first deal as a general partner, um, that I wanted to be to be a better communicator than that to my own investors, um, because you can you can always people can always you know tune out or not read what you send uh, if they choose to. That's their their choice, but they can't pull information out of thin air when when you don't provide it to them. No, I think that's what people want to know. So that's why they invested with you because they want to know the whole story, the whole thing about you know the facts may tell, but the stories are going to sell. So they want to know like, hey, what about what CapEx did you use? Show me some pictures. Like, I invested in this. Deal. I'm not just like 
an investor, I'm a partner. And that's kind of the thing that I think that you and we try to portray is like, we're not just investors with you. You're, you're our partner on this. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. They, they are absolute partners and uh, general partners need to treat the limited partners as such. Yep. Now out of the deals you've done so far, do you have a deal that hasn't gone as planned and what are your lessons learned from that? Oh gosh. Uh, well, First off, none of them have gone exactly as planned. <laughs> <laughs> they never do, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, my first one it went uh, didn't go as planned in a very positive way, and that was that we we beat our five year performa in less than two and a half years, um, and that was that was fantastic. Um, but then, you know, the last couple of years, there's a few deals I've had that were were floating rate loans and. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, and so uh, some of them are still going fine. Some of them are struggling a little bit more right now. Uh, and so I'd say one big lesson I learned about was uh, the price of rate caps um, yeah. and <laughs> how that can <laughs> how, how that can turn around and you. We we had a, a deal. We have a deal in Phoenix um, that we we bought a, a, through a, a Freddie Mac floater. Um, and, and now, now I much have a much better grasp of you know the, it's a trade off with with your with your loans. It's a trade off between um, your uh, prepayment penalty that you have with a fixed rate loan um, that where you have no interest rate risk, but so so you're paying for that through a higher prepayment penalty, whether that's yield maintenance or step down or whatever, uh, it versus a floating rate loan where you now you have that interest rate risk. You can buy the the rate cap as insurance um, again, and so we bought a one percent rate cap on this property in Phoenix. And so when the rates started going up last year, we thought we were heroes until we got the escrow reevaluation notice um, <laughs> that, that jumps the the uh, the price, the monthly escrow for our for our replacement rate cap uh, from eighteen hundred to like fifty seven hundred uh, a month, uh, and then six months later to eighteen thousand a month. Um, so yeah, so that, that, that was, that, that jump in the escrow was something that, that, uh, was a bit of a surprise to us. Um, but we still had the property going strong. It's still hanging in there. And, uh, you know, it, right now the name of the game is survive till 25. Um, and we're going to be able to do that, but, uh, yeah, there's been a number of lessons like that we've learned, uh, throughout the whole process. So. No, I think the lending piece is something that you know, you don't think about these unprecedented hikes that you have, like a once in a, in a generation type type hike here. And it's something that caught, I think, everyone by surprise. I mean, that goes without saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was telling uh, some some people yesterday, I was on a different podcast, and uh, uh, the two things that can save properties right now, or not just save them, but, you know, that make or break properties, the two most important issues are the debt that you place in the property in the first place and good, solid asset management. Yeah. Those are the two big things, so. No, I think it's to add on to that, it's like it's the asset management portion, that's the operation. So it's about this year, I've heard people say before, it's the year of the operator. Like you're gonna feel, mm -hmm. people are gonna leave this business the ones that can't operate the property. Cause when it's going good, everyone looks like a, looks like a hero. Absolutely, couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. Yep. So yeah, that term survives to 25, that's, that's uh, getting thrown around quite a bit. What <laughs> what um what are you most excited about in multifamily right now coming up? Right now, I'd say uh, I'm excited about the opportunities. Is uh, you know it's just about time for for the the Fed to pause, and I think it's going to give uh, buyers and sellers uh, you know some some room to find common ground. 
uh, and, and figure out what the where values truly lie right now. Um, I, I do believe we're going to have uh, some good opportunities over the next couple of years to pick up properties uh, cheaper than we'll be able to get them for the next several years. So that that part has me uh, pretty pretty excited right now. I think it's a good time to be looking to to expand your portfolio. Um, a lot of people are are kind of afraid of that right now because of everything that's been going on. But I do I truly believe we are uh, closer to the peak than we are uh, towards the bottom um, in terms of uh, interest rates. Which means as interest rates start falling the other way, and even the Fed predicts that's going to happen, it's just a matter you know just some disagreement over the the pace of things and the time, exact timing of things. Uh, but even they are saying that, yeah, rates are going to fall again over the next couple of years. And as that happens, cap rates are going to start compressing again because there's such a, uh, a shortage of supply of multifamily units across the country right now. Uh, and so if you're investing in markets um, that where, where that, um, you know, where that's, you're supported by those, um, you know, those basics, the fundamentals, uh, then I truly believe that cap rates are going to compress again, and it's going to be you know the start of a new boom cycle here. So, yeah, yeah. and if you find it, I go ahead, Andrew. No, I was just going to say I agree with you, and I think the stat is once they pause, once the Fed pauses, I believe the average before a cut is nine months. I believe historic. So yeah, once that happens, we're going to be right back in the boom cycle. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and if you find a deal now that is cash flowing, even with the current debt, and you can secure long term debt, so just think about another year, or two years when you know rates go down again, you almost have from ten to thirty percent value just right there from the rates. Exactly. So you just have to hold on to it. So if you, that's what we're doing right now. I'm sure you as well. If something, if something's going to cash flow now and you can hold it with long term debt, we're offering. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If, if it pencils right now. It'll be a lot better a couple of years from now than it is right now. So yes. yeah, it's yeah. a good time to be buying those properties. So absolutely, and you can't be afraid to. Um, you know, it, before I always heard that if you are more than like ten percent off of the uh, the list price or the whisper price, yeah. uh, the broker's giving you, then you know you're you don't don't submit an offer. You're probably you know they might take it as an insult. Well, that was a totally different market than we're in right now. <laughs> so, <Yep. laughs> agreed. Yeah. So there, there is some, uh, some. Uh, so I, I'm a, a a coach in one of the other programs right now, actually, and I had some coaching students that uh, were submitting an offer, uh, or at least they're doing, going through uh, an underwriting exercise. They didn't end up submitting the offer, but they at least discussed it with the broker because it was kind of a rough property, so it wouldn't have been a good beginner property for them. Um, but they were, you know, good. Um, thirty percent off the um, off the whisper price, and I encourage them go ahead and have the conversation with them, and he can steer you in the right direction as far as you know, go, figure out what you may have been missing or what's going on, or maybe that maybe the the seller just has unrealistic expectations, and you'll find that out through a conversation with them that way. And sure enough, they found out that uh, oh yeah, we already have uh, three offers we're kind of sitting on right now. We're waiting to see if we get anything better, and yours is right in the middle of them. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, we, had, we had that one that came back to us that we thought was that's insulting. Yeah, but yeah. that you're the highest offer they had. <laughs> <laughs> dare you? Yeah. yeah, it wasn't your insulting. It was just in general for yeah. <laughs> the market. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Uh, Greg, do you have any daily habits that you do? You know, for success. Daily habits. Um, I, uh, 
start off with gratitude every single day. That's one of the first things I do when I wake up before I even get out of bed is just, you know, lay there in quiet for 30 seconds or so and just focus my attitude on, on, on uh, my attitude for the day on, uh, you know, a, an atmosphere of gratitude uh, for the opportunities I've, I have, the opportunities um, that have gotten me where I am, the opportunity to help others uh, get to a similar place. Um, and, you know, and that, that helps a ton because, you know, the, the entrepreneurial journey is ups, full of ups and downs. And, you know, there's, there's times during the, during, you know, during the week when you, you're feeling like you're on top of the world and maybe the same week you're, you're feeling like, this is terrible. I need to go back and get a W2 job again. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think besides that, it's really just, uh, just consistency. Um, and I try to read a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say every day, but several times a week. Um, sometimes, some weeks I'm more successful at that and some weeks I'm less successful at that. So, yeah. I think that's key to hone in on is that it's, it's not just, you know, motivation because that's just, that's waning, you know, it's that consistency, which, you know, derives from that, that, uh, discipline. Absolutely. It's like the day you need to go to the gym is that you don't want to go to the gym. The same yeah. with doing, doing those deals. Like you got to keep, you got to keep going. See, now you got me feeling bad. I didn't work out this morning. But, so. <laughs> it's still the whole day left. Say some gratitudes tonight after you do some gym work. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. How has uh, passive income affected your family life or life overall? Oh, my gosh. It has changed it quite a bit. Um, so it got me where uh, I was able to leave my W-2 job uh, behind me for good uh, yeah. and, and focus on this full time. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in, in passive income, um, and having multiple income streams uh, and those can be in addition to having a job, those can be in place of a job and it really just opens up doors, opens up alternatives and options for people, uh, to figure out how to, how to, you know, how they want to live their life and how to design a life they, they want to live. Um, so this, it's the most freeing thing in the world to, to have those, uh, to have that passive income coming in. Um, you know, there's nothing better than mailbox money. So <laughs> great. Great. <Isn't> that true? <laughs> <Agreed>. <laughs> uh, Greg, now if people want to reach out and contact you, what's the best way to go about that? Yeah, sure. So, um, I have a, uh, a, a free webinar, uh, on basically on how to how to build these kinds of passive income streams in your life too, uh, called how to recession proof your retirement with hands off commercial real estate investing, um, okay. and that is available for uh, for viewers at uh, bluesky-equity.com and that's there's no e in blue so it's b-l-u-s-k-y-equity.com forward slash webinar. Okay, great. And if he, if anyone uh, you know signs up for that, and they'll they'll get a couple emails from me, including a link to you know, to be able to schedule a meeting with me, and I'd uh, love to have a conversation with anyone. So I'd love to talk about all this stuff and, and helping people yeah. move forward in their their passive income journey. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so before we get into our five to thrive, just got one more question for you. Okay. If you could pick one thing for our audience to absorb from this interview, what would that be? I'd say uh, I'm going to go back to what Nick said towards the very beginning, and that's taking action. Okay, um, take action, and uh, and you can't be you can't let be uh, overcome by fear in today's market. 
Um, yep. it, this is a this is a, a scarier time for sure than it was several years ago, but there are still great deals to be had. There's still great deals to invest in out there, uh, and you're not going to move forward if you sit on the sidelines. So you need to find the right deals, figure out how to screen deals properly, uh, and, and take action and move forward um, to get where you want to go. Yep, agreed. Oh, Typically, you make the most money when the market's down, right? And you're buying, buying at the bottom. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. So now we get into our five to thrive. So this is the word association game. I'm just going to rattle off five words and just give me the first word or phrase that comes to mind. The only caveat, you cannot repeat your answer. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. First one, cash flow. Quadrant. Uh. <laughs> Good book. <laughs> it is a great book. Yep. <laughs> I like that one better than Rich Dad Poor Dad, actually. Me too, actually. It was one of, it was one of my favorites, yeah. <laughs> uh stock market. <laughs> is that a word? <laughs> Unreliable. How about that? Yeah. Generational wealth. Legacy. Financial freedom. It's gonna be repeating a word. Um possibilities. All right. Yeah. And Guess what it does? It opens up possibilities for you. It's true. Last one is multifamily. Wealth building. All right. I like it. Well, Greg, thanks so much for coming on. It was great to have you on the show. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks a lot, Nick and Andrew. Appreciate being here. And uh, thanks for the invite.